I'm Derek Fildebrandt, publisher of the Western Standard, and you're watching The Pipeline. Today is May 17th, 2023. I'm joined, as always, by Western Standard opinion editor Nigel Hannaford. Good to be here. Also got the Western Standard's senior Alberta columnist Corey Morgan with us with a fresh haircut. Yes, good for another two months now. Yeah, there you go. Two uh, on sale. Yes. Yep. Yep. We're going to be talking about the big leaders debate in Alberta coming up tomorrow, what we can expect, and the very high stakes that this debate holds for the campaign and Alberta's next government. We're also going to switch it up. You know, that's the two big leaders, and it's only two leaders. That's a rare debate in Alberta with just two leaders. But there are a lot of other parties in Alberta that are not getting much attention in this very clearly two-party race. But, you know, they matter. Well, maybe they don't. But sometimes they think they should. And I'm a sucker for uh, lost causes like this. We're going to talk about the little guys, the third, fourth, fifth, eighth, tenth parties in Alberta and the candidates uh, that they're fielding. We're also going to talk wildfire politics, um, primarily what the, the impact it's having on the election, the ability of the parties to campaign, um, but also the ability of people to vote in these regions that have are facing obviously a ton of upheaval it's uh, gonna be very difficult to get to the polls we'll talk about how that might affect the election as well a, a new phenomenon i hadn't seen before we've all seen attack ads on television on the radio party a says party b sucks party b says party a sucks but we've never seen at least that i haven't seen attack ads on lawn signs lawn signs that say party b sucks party a is the man uh, that's a new thing that we've seen here in Alberta. So we're going to talk about that. Before we get into it, though, I want to thank my favorite sponsor, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. I've been a CSSA member for more than a decade uh, because I trust them as Canada's leading firearms rights group, uh, protecting your right to buy, own, and responsibly use firearms in Canada. Uh, they are on the front lines defending your rights as a gun owner. If you're a gun owner in Canada, it is absolutely critical that you join the fight and become a member of the CSSA. Go to cssa-cila.org or do what I do, Google it, and become a member today. It's worth absolutely every penny. Okay. At long last, it's almost here. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, UCP leader and premier Danielle Smith will be facing off against NDP leader and former premier Rachel Notley. I feel like it's the double belt title match of Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> this is the big one. Um, Nigel, <laughs> the, the stakes are high. Uh, the polls have been more or less deadlocked for months now, normally showing a slight UCP lead. There's been some polls contradicting that lately, showing a small NDP lead. But on the same day, you'll get one showing us still the UCP's got a slight lead. Another one today showing a statistical tie. Uh, the debate here, uh, I think a lot of debates, the media always are looking for the debate. Most of the time, I don't think they make a big difference, but sometimes they do. How high are the stakes in uh, tomorrow night's debate? Oh, how high do you want to make them? I mean, obviously, there's a lot on the line for each of the individual party leaders and their followers, but uh, two very, very different uh, worldviews uh, uh, at war with each other here. You have the, the NDP, which, let's face it, is a socialist, collectivist type of approach to, uh, to politics, very woke, and you have the... UCP, which is not any of those things, very, very committed to economic growth, putting more money in the pockets of individual people, and importantly, letting them follow their own 
dreams to, to build the life they want to build. Well, I, I know, but I know there's differences between these parties, but I'm talking in an electoral sense for this election. Uh, uh, the debate sometimes makes a difference, sometimes doesn't, but the parties are deadlocked going into this. Yeah, I, I think this time the debates actually are going to matter. Just checking some numbers here, and it seems to me that uh, the public has been somewhat disengaged for the first couple of uh, for the first couple of weeks of this election. And the buzz that I get is that a lot of folks are just sitting on the sidelines until they see the debate. They're all looking for the knockout blow, or the or the very clear indication that this candidate, rather than that candidate, has got the royal jelly to carry on do the job. Both of them are experienced. Both of them have been there before. Into the in, into the premier's office, so there's a, yes, there's a huge amount riding on it. Corey, um, I think the I think it's it's not a stretch to say the UCP and Danielle Smith have had a less than excellent campaign. I don't think it's uh, time to hit. It's, it's definitely not time for uh, to launch the the votes yet. But uh, the expectations of Danielle Smith, I think, are pretty low right now. The NDP and a lot of surrogates in the media have painted her as very extreme, uh, that she's crazy, she's not serious. Um, and so I think that that set the bar very low for Danielle Smith. And a lot of this is the expectations game. Um, one of the problems for the Conservatives in 2015 nationally was that the expectations of Justin Trudeau were so low. Corey Tonight, conservative strategist, famously said, if Justin Trudeau manages to show up with his pants on, it'll be a victory. Problem is, he did show up with his pants on, and even though it wasn't a very good performance, he exceeded everyone's expectations and got a big bounce from it. So going into this, uh, does Danielle Smith need to, to win, get that knockout blow, or do you think, does she just really need to show up and seem reasonable and personable, and that'll be enough for hesitant conservatives who think, you know, maybe kind of bought some of the messaging that, uh, that she's crazy? Well, that's a, a lot of it. I mean, they've made this about, it's not about the UCP and NDP now. It's about Rachel Notley and Danielle Smith. You, you can't listen to either leader start a sentence without mentioning their opponent now. They've turned this into a, a very personal match, and this will be the first real face-to-face -face opportunity for that. And because of that, they've really tried to sow mistrust with each other. I mean, that's the thing. The NDP are, are really kind of going after UCP policies. They're saying you just can't trust Danielle Smith. So... For as you said, if she gets up though, and as people say, she is a skilled communicator. She she ran that radio show for a long time. I've never seen her really get ruffled on a public stage, so I can't imagine a meltdown or 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 a mess up. So this will be an opportunity. I imagine Rachel Notley will will throw a lot of those accusations of wanting to sell off hospitals and all the rest of the stuff they've been doing. But in this case, it won't be one-liners thrown out in an ad that's going out. Uh, Daniel Smith will have an opportunity to explain the context of those statements or where they went. And if she can come across sounding rational and reasonable, a lot, potentially a lot of that doubt people have about her uh, might start to, to wane. But we'll see. The other thing is, too, I mean, the debate made a big difference, I think, when Notley got in before because it appeared that Prentice was almost bullying Notley and talking down to her. Well... This is two women on the stage, so uh, I don't think Daniel Smith has to be afraid of rolling her sleeves up if it gets into things. It's uh, it's an interesting debate because you've got two veterans. Um, this is a former premier who has been in two provincial leaders debates before, Rachel Notley, and Danielle Smith, who has been in a leaders debate before when she led the Wild Rose in 2012. Uh, and she's been around media for a long time. Uh, it's a rare debate, I think, where you've normally you've got one veteran, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you've got one veteran and a bunch of newbies. 
or if it's the case federally, uh, and whoever the NDP happens to be, they might be veterans, but they're not the big boy in the debate. Uh, but you got uh, two two veterans here. Um, what what do you think their respective strategies are going to be going in? Because I I think Rachel Notley has to get a knockout blow. She that's an overused term, and every pundit and reporter talks about it. It's a bit belabored, but uh, the NDP needs to not. Uh, needs to significantly beat the UCP in Calgary. I think she has to get a smashing blow against Smith, whereas I think Smith just has to appear reasonable uh, because she has the built-in advantage of being a conservative in Alberta. That, that's exactly right. And I think, the and I'm sure Rachel Notley is preparing for this, but the danger, given that she's on the attack, is that she can't afford to sound shrill while Danielle Smith is being calm and reasonable and just fending off the attacks. So it's going to de require a degree of uh, careful phrasing and uh, uh, modulation of the voice to make sure that she doesn't overdo the attacks. Because she certainly has to attack, otherwise why are you there? But on the other hand, she has that disadvantage. She doesn't want to come over too strong and just incite the sympathy factor for Daniel Smith, which is going to be there. Uh this is, in Canada, the first time I'll have at least seen in my lifetime a one-on-one -on -one leaders debate. We've never seen it before. Uh, federally, it, you know, prior to 1993, it was normally three leaders. Mm -hmm. You'd have the, the PC, the Liberal, and the New Democrat. 93, that blew up. You have reform in there. You have the block in there. Eventually, <clears throat> uh, reform goes away, but then we have green. We've gotten used to these big leaders debates. In Alberta, we've had normally three, often four, um, but this time it's just two. It is one-on-one, -on -one, mano a mano, however inappropriate that term is in the context with two women. Uh, we've had the two frontrunners be women before, Danielle Smith's first debate, uh, 2012, against Alison Redford, but you still had, you had Brian Mason, a man as the NDP leader, you had Raj Sherman, the liberal leader, who's now a UCP candidate, funny enough. Yeah, I love Raj. <laughs> yeah, uh, Raj against the machine. Um, but uh, it's it's just woman on woman. Corey, how do you think that's going to change the dynamics of the debate? Well, yeah, as I said, it, it takes out the bullying factor in a sense. I mean, they're sort of equals upon the stage. So you can't say one's taking advantage of the other. There is a risk, whether it's unfair or not. As Nigel pointed out, though, is, is a woman coming off too strongly can be considered to be shrill. And it can be labeled as such. I know, you know, it's just an unfairness of gender life. But uh, uh, so they both have to take care with that. And uh, in looking for, I guess, the proverbial knockout blow, I, I don't expect it because both of them are so uh, experienced as they are. The only really one I can remember seeing in Canada, they always talk about one, but uh, Turner and Mulroney, we got to go that far back to really see uh, a, a debate where there was just, no. where somebody was sweating and mm -hmm. put right out of sorts. And that was the end of the debate for him. But aside from that, you don't see them very often. And when you get two such experienced operators, uh, I think they're going to go at it hard. But I don't know if we're going to see any big, uh, outstanding breakdowns. Okay. Um, but I, I think, but Notley has to win solidly. And I, now, it doesn't always have to take the form of the John Turner, Brian Mulrooney full-on knockout. But you had 2015, where it was actually more of... Prentice knocking himself out. It wasn't. Notley came across as personable, and smiling, knowledgeable-ish. Kind of knew her. She doesn't of, come across like that anymore. 
So that's going to be harder. I don't know. I don't know. She's seasoned. She's going to be practicing for it. I mean, mm. they've probably glued a smile on her face for now. Mm. Uh, I mean, she'll have like the Joker mm. smile on her here. Um, she might come across that way. But but in 2015, it was kind of Prentice more or less just stepping on rakes the whole time that made him lose it. Um, okay. Uh, I think one thing, by the way, that is going to, again, be to Rachel Notley's disadvantage is that she can't throw out those patently false accusations that, you know, they're going to take away your pension or anything like that because Danielle Smith is right. They can rebut it right there on the spot. Well, you can. And uh, I mean, and, 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 and these, false, these false things you say, they're almost going to be based in some reality. No, Danielle Smith has not said she's going to take away your pensions. She has said she wants to pull out of the CPP and replace it with an Alberta pension plan. Now, that, they're not putting that in the front uh, front window of the shop right now, but they've said that that is something they intend to do. So it's based on something and perverted into something that it is not. But then you kind of get into a he said, she said. And I don't know. She uh, has an opportunity to, anyone can come to on explain tell exactly what she means. That's going to be helpful. Yeah. Mono a mono here, or whatever we call it when it's two ladies. But um, there are a lot of other uh, other uh, parties here um, that we should talk about. Uh, well, let's start with the last, I don't know what was the last other big party, but uh, let's start with the Liberals. The Liberals used to be the government in Alberta. In fact, they were the first government in Alberta. Liberal meant a very different thing in 1905 when Alberta uh, mm-hmm. was created as a province. Uh, but until, let's see, in 2012, they won five seats. That was a big collapse. In 1993, they almost won government. By 2012, they were down to five seats. Uh, uh, by 2015, one seat. And then last time, zero. They're not even in the debate. But this time, they've got 13 candidates. Uh, they opened up nominations for their leadership, and no one applied. No one even put their name forward. So uh, they've appointed an interim leader who's taken them through here. Uh Corey, how, how the mighty have fallen, eh? Yeah, I mean, again, from Alberta's founding party uh, to the point of being a, embarrassingly can't even draw somebody to apply for the job of leader. They're, they're giving it more of a go in this election than I would have thought after that leadership kind of fiasco, but they're, they're not going to go anywhere. No, nobody takes them seriously anymore. It's, it's been a decline ever since decor in the 90s. Yeah. Just every election they've been withering and withering and, and down to this Uh I guess they're holding that shell together and hoping somebody will pick it up later. But this time around, <laughs> I don't expect much of them. Nigel, why are they still a party? The NDP did more or less what the Wild Rose and PCs had to formally do. They just consolidated <laughs> the left behind themselves. They didn't have to have a merger to do it, but they just <laughs> did it. They are the left. They are the progressive mm-hmm. side of politics in Alberta, and it's undisputed. No one can challenge them for it. Um, why are the liberals still here? Is it just that you know the liberal brand has this attachment for some people where the liberals dang nabbit, we're not going away? Should the liberals just dissolve themselves in Alberta? Or do you think there is a place for them at some point? Well, no, I don't think they should dissolve themselves. We always want a bad example out there to push us in the direction of the better example. Let's face it, the Liberal Party is not exactly a winning card in Alberta. We have a federal Liberal Party that is 
been toxic for this province. And you've got a group of people saying we're liberals and we well, want to be uh, we want to be elected in Alberta. Let me, let me rephrase. Crazy stuff. If you're a leftist in Alberta, if you're a liberal, socialist, whatever flavor of progressive yeah. you are, doesn't it make sense to just dissolve yourself and move on? Like you're running 13 paper candidates. I doubt they're running even a single semi-serious campaign. They're just running because they're the liberals. It makes it makes sense because hope springs eternal. Don't forget there was a period of time when the federal Liberal Party was down to 34 seats. And but it was above zero. Well, it was above zero, but when you're looking at it in the context of a, a party that has spent most of its time running Canada, uh, that was a, a deep and humiliating defeat that, uh, that was delivered to them. The, the the Alberta Liberals are going on and now uh, 120 the, years plus out of power here. Yeah, so they're... So, so, there probably is within a few diehards who continue to fund this thing. Uh, no, no, no one's even still funding it. It raises no money. It raises no money. All it's right. raising no money. Yeah. There is nothing there. Well, then, uh, then let's just say it's a triumph of hope over experience. Okay. Um, let's talk about the uh, hope springing eternal. You know who I'm going to talk about next? <laughs> who am um, I going to talk about? Probably Paul Hinman. No. no. Okay. Well, there's a few of these. Alberta going on. party. Alberta party. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah. Yes. Alberta party. So once upon a time, this was actually like a pretty right wing independence party, uh, but it was it was taken over. It is now a completely different thing. So it's you almost have to separate them. They're not the same party. It's I, the, the very first party I was provincially a member of was the Alberta party in the nineties, before the Alberta Independence Party. Yes. Wow. I founded the Alberta Independence Party by taking some yeah. board members from them, but that's a long story. So the Alberta Party, in its <laughs> yes. modern form, was created circa 2010-ish? In its modern in its form? Modern form in its modern form. Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah. And it built itself as, you know, the big listen. We're going to listen to people. What do we stand for? Well, what do you want us <laughs> to stand for? And it, the idea was to be a centrist party. It didn't work when you had a so-called centrist party with, say, Alice and Redford, 2012. They... Didn't make it in. Uh, no seats. Um, they managed to win one seat with Greg Clark. They smart. They focused all their efforts on one riding Calgary elbow. Managed to win a seat. They lost that last time around as Alberta became a pretty two, pretty clear two-party system. Um, but, you know, 20, uh, 2019, they had, uh, I think, three to four MLAs through uh, Greg Clark plus some floor crossings um, from both the NDP and the PCs. They had um, uh, Stephen Mandel, former cabinet minister and Edmonton mayor, as their leader. They had some significant money. They had, I think, almost a full slate of candidates. They were in the leaders' debate, and they came up snake eyes, nothing. This time, uh, I mean, they had their by-election. There was the by-election of Brooks Medicine Hat, where the Alberta Party leader was the mayor of Brooks, got trounced by Danielle Smith. Um, they, I think, have pretty well acknowledged their toast. And they're running only 19 candidates, uh, about, uh, I think, a little less than a quarter of, uh, of the seats. Um, so hope springs eternal. Um, uh, is there a point, I, I guess let me talk more broadly, is there a point to a centrist party in Alberta right now? Or are they really just kind of Switzerland trying to figure out how to get onto the Western front between the two big boys? Yeah, if you try to stand for everything, you stand for nothing. And, and they've been trying that mushy middle approach now for, as you said, 12 years. I mean, it hasn't gained ground. I, I think 
they could cobble, not this time around for sure, but they could cobble something together, but they need a, a solid leader and they need to make some solid stances on some issues to position themselves. Not always, as you said, coming and saying, well, what would you like me to be? Well, they take the media and they're like, <laughs> if, you know, if the NDP is one and the UCP is 10, well, we're 5.5 and that's kind of their default. Yeah. And it's not working. You've got to stand for something to draw people in. I mean, you don't have to go right to the edges, but you've got to. Let's, let's face it, Corey, if you were going to have something to draw people in, would it be a provincial sales tax? That's their big deal. Yeah. yeah well, big. actually, but that's actually maybe a smart move because at least it's distinctive Stands from the out. two other parties. Uh, well, yeah. it's distinctive. And who wants it? A, a surprisingly large minority. Yeah. There is a minority of people who do it. And, you know, and it's, it's actually, if, if they would actually replicate that on more issues, they would maybe get traction because, you know, when you're an insurgency party, you're trying to break in. You have to be distinctive from all the other big options, but normally you have to pry off of one mm. side or the other. You can't be just distinctive and in the middle because then you just get washed out. I don't know. Try, try, trying to run on a, I, I understand the arguments why provincial sales tax might be beneficial. Nevertheless, well, I'm not running, debating the merits of it. I'm talking running about on a, of running it. on a. Hey, we put a new tax for you. What a great start for a for a party that wants to wants to get elected. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nigel, actually, Nigel, the Greens. Yeah. 41 candidates. Shockingly, at least by number of candidates, mm -hmm. the Greens are the third party in Alberta. Now, they're likely, actually, I'd say, to come in third in the popular vote because you say you prefer the Alberta party or Wild Rose Independence Party or the Liberals or whatever it is. If there's no candidate you're running, you can't vote for them. So the Greens have the most candidates available to vote for. So... I'd say bold prediction, even though the Greens don't rate any heartbeat in Alberta in the polls, they'll probably come in third in the popular vote. Uh, I, I guess the conventional wisdom, Nigel, is that the Greens being on the ballot will be favorable to the UCP because Green votes, I think, smart money says, would otherwise be more likely to go to the NDP. I, I think I think the smart money is right on that one. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a party that owes a lot of its electoral success federally as well as as well as provincially to being a place to park your vote. Can't abide these people over here. I certainly wouldn't ever want to vote for these. Green, they'll never get elected anyway. I can do my civic duty. I can put my vote there and I go home. And that's the end of the matter. Somebody else can make the decision. You know, it's again, here's a party that wants to run on the just transition. And... Uh, that's basically a way to turn good-paying jobs into bad-paying jobs, not a vote winner. So, uh, Corey, the, um, if, try to put yourself in the shoes of, uh, of a pretty hardcore greenie voter in Alberta. And there are some. They exist. Um, what do you think you'd do? I mean, you got, you know, Rachel Notley, as hardcore she is on some of this stuff, by the standards of... New Democrats nationally, a lot of na national New Democrats, say West Coast New Democrats and Ontario New Democrats, consider her a sellout to big oil. I mean, that's baffling to many here in Alberta. Mm -hmm. But outside of Alberta, the fact that she doesn't believe in shutting down the industry tomorrow to, tomorrow night, that she supported the Trans Mountain expansion. She opposed the construction of other Alberta pipelines, but there was at least one that she supported the construction of. Uh, what do you do? Would you... Do you vote green, which is like, I'm sending a message that I'm really concerned about the environment? Or are you going to say, okay, Rachel Notley is a bit uh, weak sauce for my green credentials, but 
I mean, it's Alberta for God's sakes, and she gave us a carbon tax. Uh, you know, what do you do? Said, well, if somebody's that ideologically driven, the true, absolute, you know, shut well, in the... Well, they, I'm not saying know. somebody who's like off the, you know, living in the woods like... Uh, well, no, that, that's the like irony the of those people. They're usually living in Kensington in a nice yeah. house that they inherited, but they still yeah. somehow feel we can shut down the oil field and and close those things in. They, I, I think they would park their vote with the Greens just on principle, and rather knowing that they're not going to win, but they're registering their message and their thoughts on it. Uh, as well as Nigel said, they're a safe place just to make your mark, you know, make your, your, your protest. So they'll grab that bit. And as you said, they got 41 candidates. So yeah, they'll probably check off that rank of third. Who knows? That might give them the shell to start filling that void. The, the Liberals and the Alberta Party just can't seem to find out there. Maybe the Greens will uh, carve a little corner, but it'll always be a little one. You know, I can think of a lot of places where the NDP is the default choice, and I can think of a lot of places where the UCP is the default choice. I can't think of a single place where I say, oh, you know, the Greens, that just fits that community Outside so of well. Salt Spring Island, yeah, there's well, nothing here in Alberta. Right. Okay, <laughs> well, the next four parties, I'll, we're going to deal with kind of together. It's the constellation <laughs> of the, call it the dissident right. And, you know, some of us got a soft spot for it, but it's I think it's not too controversial to say it's not their time. Um, so in here, we've got four parties. We've got the Wild Rose Independence Party. And boy, that has busted from, say, a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, the Wild Rose Independence Party was running about 15% in the polls, with Jason Kenney still as UCP leader. With his resignation and Daniel Smith coming in, uh, that support evaporated the party had massive internal turmoil as small parties full of very individualist people tend to do they kicked out their leader paul hinman um and then i think uh post sovereignty act i think a lot of their speaking of a lot of their own senior activists they more or less said we okay that's not our time let's see how danielle smith does if she can win the election and if she follows through on some of the sovereignty act stuff so they're more or less sitting out the election. Two candidates. And I think they're running in areas where they're intentionally could have no risk of siphoning votes that could elect the NDP. But Paul Hinman, um, he's, uh, well, as I mentioned, he was kicked out. Now, he was the first leader of the original Wild Rose Party, who was succeeded by Daniel Smith going to the 2012 election. Uh, but he, after being kicked out of the Wild Rose Independence Party, started the Wild Rose Loyalty Coalition. No that is not a points rewards card for when you buy something at Walmart. Uh, that is the name of his new political party. I think he promised to run 50-odd candidates or so. He's running 16, I think, that are getting on the ballot. There's the Independence Party. Um, it's, it's changed its name a bunch of times, the variations of the same thing. It's now TIP. I call it just, it's just a TIP. Um, uh, so TIP, the Independence Party. And they put the in front of their name, I think, to distinguish that they are the Independence Party, not these Wild Rose Independence Party interlopers. <laughs> um, last time, they ran nearly 60-odd uh, uh, candidates. They, a bunch of them out. Yeah. yeah, after the Alberta Party, they by far ran the most number of candidates. Uh, but it was a pretty hodgepodge thing. It very quickly blew apart. I think they've had something between four and six leaders since the last election. It's been quite something. They're running just 14 candidates. Um, and, and, and they're an interesting bunch. They believe in independence, but uh, they've been very hardcore that they are the sole legitimate voice of sovereignty and everyone else is an interloper and should join them. Mm -hmm. 
their most recent leader was Arthur Pulowski. He was kicked out as leader by that party for, I don't know, depends. Being who, Arthur Pulowski. Depends who you believe. And he is channeling his inner Polish anti-communist by founding the Solidarity Movement of Alberta. And they are running 38 candidates. So there's four of these parties here. Uh, none of which have any hope whatsoever of uh, winning a seat here. Uh, none of them are going to be in the debate. None of them have any kind of money. I, I, I don't think you're going to see much here. Uh, we'll start with you, Nigel, though. Hmm. What, do you, what do you think the chances are that they, any of them could legitimately play spoiler, in particular some of the close Calgary races, Edmonton donut races? Okay, well, first off, any any party that is only running two candidates is not going to be a spoiler. Well, I'm talking so I'm, I'm, I'm talking other, combined. You know, there's two, 16, 14, 38. No, frankly. Uh, I, the, that 38 candidates for the Solidarity Movement puzzles me. Uh, they must be spread extremely thin as far as funding is concerned. I would expect uh, they're... I would expect there'll be virtually no funding, but right. they'll show up on the ballot and they'll go to the local candidates' debates. Yeah, I, 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 I can't see it. But what I do see, I, and we talked about this morning at the meeting, we get frustrated with people who take no interest in politics. You know, you, people say, oh, I'm not interested in politics. Polit well, politics is still interested in you, sir. So are you going to be involved or are you going to sit on the sidelines? I don't know whether there is anybody in that group who a responsible person could vote for. But I tell you what, I got to hand it to them that they get out there, say what they think, start a party, go through the process, satisfy Alberta elections that they are in fact legitimate, follow the rules and put themselves out there and say, this is what we think, this is what we would do and vote for us. I, I respect that. Uh, Corey, I'm a sucker for these lost causes. Uh, hey, I'm no stranger to fringe parties. Yeah, we, we, we've both we've <laughs> both done it. Uh, but do you think they can make any impact? I mean, none of them are getting in the debate. No one's even close to getting in the debate. Uh, but do you think they, uh, depending on where they are, it's, they could end up playing spoiler in some really close races? It, it would have to be very, very close ones. I think most of these guys are going to struggle to break 1%, though in, yeah. in some constituencies it might be a one percent spread that, that chooses them but you know it would be the outlying things and if it was that amount of people who didn't like one candidate or the other chances are they would have stayed home or or not voted for the you know ucp or ndp candidate anyhow uh they're, they're i guess trying you know to keep oxygen within those things it's not like before there's not room for a third party right now this election has become such a ucp ndp thing it's almost impossible for any of them to grab a little bit of air and, and form a base. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, they're all hoping they were, you know, the whole progression, the Alberta Alliance turned to the Wildrose Alliance, turned to the Wildrose Party, turned to the UCP. And in a convoluted way, that little seed kind of came to power. But it took 14 years and, and a lot of elections. Again, and it almost broke up again. Yeah. So these guys, I yeah. think, kind of hope for a bit of that. But this election is, is the best they can hope for is just to hold it together and, and not really do anything further to, to blow themselves up. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not just what they say, it's the credibility that if they were elected, what could they do with it? Because uh, sometimes you get somebody who says, yeah, I agree with that, that, and that. Straight ticket. Okay. But I, I'm not voting for you. Well, we've had lots of Wild Rose, two parties named Wild Rose on the ballot mm. here, in addition to UCP, which was built largely by Wild, half by Wild Rose. Uh, let's move it to wildfires, wildfire politics. Um, 
we're not going to get into the fires themselves. They're obviously terrible and they're destructive. But they've been, they're, at least by a number of evacuees, it's less evacuees than, say, the 2016 fires oh. that saw Fort McMurray devastated. Uh, I was talking to one, uh, I guess, was an MLA until the election was called. He's a candidate again uh, in northern Alberta. I was talking to him today. His campaign has been suspended for something like 10 days uh, because his constituency is on fire. And he's just dealing with that. Uh, we've discussed previously on this. Mm-hmm. I think you're only play in a disaster is not to politicize it. By trying to politicize it, I think, no pun intended, you'll get burned. Uh, so the best you can do is just try to be a community leader, coordinate things. Um, but I guess let's just talk, uh, Nigel, how do you think, how, how much do you think the wildfire has affected the election by requiring Danielle Smith and to a lesser extent, Rachel Notley to take time away from campaigning to deal with a disaster? Well, I'm not sure that uh, it's such a bad thing as a leader to be placed in the middle of a disaster and show some leadership. It's worked for others. It is easier when the disaster has already been completed and you are there to show leadership and picking up the pieces. When it is ongoing, as this one is, it's, well, what are you going to do for me next, madam, in this case? Uh, That's a slightly different thing. But nevertheless... um, You know, when it comes down to a contest of character, we've already established that it's Rachel Notley versus Danielle Smith. Who do you like most? It's not about policy. So maybe if you can demonstrate that quality of compassion, empathy, and above all leadership by stepping into the fire zone, being there, encouraging Mm -hmm. the the workers and the people who've been, and making suitable provision for those who've been uh, made homeless, then that's actually... I'm not sure there's much advantage in it, though, because, you know, Rachel Notley did fine with the 2016 wildfires. As as we've said on the show previously, the politicians follow a script. They're not actually really doing very much. They might have to make a call. If They can blow it. it, And and that hasn't happened, so that could be considered... uh, Yeah. uh, uh, There might not be too much to gain, but you can lose a lot. Yeah, Bush with Katrina was perceived to have blown it. I'm not... Maybe... Maybe I, I don't I don't remember. It was a long it was a long time ago. But but generally the politician they they put on that windbreaker that they all seem to wear. There's a there's a uh, there's a windbreaker encased in glass somewhere, and every mayor and every premier and prime minister smashes that, brings the windbreaker out. And they go and they take some pictures as they're nodding, listening to a firefighter or a soldier, or policeman or whatever. They follow a script. Better them doing that than standing downtown making it another announcement while the half sure. province is in flames. <laughs> sure. Uh, but any thoughts about how this might affect some of those northern races, though? Because it's it's hard to vote uh, or even to make it a priority to vote when your community's on fire. Yeah, and it'll distract people if they're evacuated and living in a fifth wheel or a hotel or a family or friends. Uh, if they're really committed to voting, though, Alberta's kind of unique. You, they can go to any advanced poll, no matter where. If they, if you came out of Valley View and you're staying with friends at Edmonton, you can go to an Edmonton advanced poll with ID yeah. and cast mm-hmm. your ballot, and it will be applied in your home constituency. Oh, Alberta is making a lot of accommodations. So, I mean, it's not like they'll be prevented. You'll always be within six blocks of a polling station. Yeah. Though, again, it might not be the first thing in your mind when and you're in the, in the midst of a And in the North, there's only one competitive riding anyway. And that's Th- the next are, thing I was going to say. There's not really many They're all solid UCP. The only one that the NDP have any shot at would be uh, Lesser Slave Lake. I think Danielle Larby, uh, she was the NDP MLA minister 
until 2019. She was defeated in 2019. I think she's running again. Mm -hmm. It's a low population running because it's so big. It's under a special formula. It's got a lot of First Nations in it. And because it's a low population riding, your margin of victory does not necessarily need to be that many votes. It could be a, a couple hundred votes could make a big swing. So I think that's the only riding affected by the wildfires that is at all competitive here. Yeah. And again, the people have the opportunity to vote out, outside of there. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it'll have a huge impact. Some people talk about, you know, postponing the election or even postponing just those constituencies, but I don't see it being in the cards. Anymore. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to this one. This one's fun. Uh, our last segment here. Uh, NDP attack ad signs. So we've all seen attack ads on television. It's been around, I don't know, since it, uh, probably the 70s, mm -hmm. probably when attack ads really started. Uh, We've all seen that. We know we hear it on the radio. Um, you know, hear lots of uh, NDP attack ads. Danielle Smith is going to take your pension and uh, sell your hospital. Um, but I've uh, I, we have seen positive campaign signs before beyond just like, you know, Corey Morgan, uh, crazy French party. You know, beyond that, uh, you know, Wild Rose will put out signs saying uh, fight equalization or something like it was, you know, more your party slogans. But I've never seen attack ads up. There's a number of, uh, I think there's a few of them, but this is the most common one in these, these signs where it's Danielle Smith put on, on a weather vane where the rooster normally goes, saying, what will she do next? And I, I was talking to a lot of UCPers, and they'd say, uh, well, um, this, is, uh, this is nasty. we got to do something about it. And we'll talk about what the UCP is now doing about it, which is a tricky way to do it. Uh, but, Corey, uh, do you think this is... Um, Think it might be effective? I don't know. I mean, it's trying to spread that same doubt and, and, and everything, but you know, it's not the worst picture. I mean, I've been kind of cruel with columns and uh, pictures I've used for them with people, and she doesn't look, you know, terrible in it, even though she is mounted on a weather vane. Uh, I guess they realize they don't want to push it too far. Although it does look like uh, a sloppy Photoshop job. Kind of. I, I, I don't. For people, again, already mistrustful or falling for the ads, not so much. But, I mean, I've seen people having fun with the, uh, you know, other ones and, and trying to turn it around. I mean, Notley, I saw somebody was sticking googly eyes on the picture. Because the other side shows a picture of Notley ah. and saying real leadership. They, they have two sides to all of those. And, uh, you know, I don't uh, think vandalizing signs is a good idea, but it was kind of at least a, a chuckle. My, um, my number one rule for election signs is don't put your picture on no, it. I learned you're going to get a Hitler mustache. My, you're going to get googly eyes. I got peckers across mine when mine was out. Uh, there is a 100% chance yes. you're going to get um, and another still, word for the rooster yeah. drawn towards your mouth. That happened to me. I still think it was my little brother who did it, but I'll just say <laughs> Uh, there's a risk in putting your own face out there. Don't put your uh, face on the side. No. Keep it to your party name and your and your name. Don't put your face on it. It's gonna get vandalized. Yes, yes. So I I don't think it's a brilliant tactic. But we'll see what happens. It's unprecedented though. Just have the other person's yeah. face on the sign like that. So uh, Nigel, I I got a chuckle today. Um, you you sent me an email because you know we've seen these signs all around Calgary, mm -hmm. and uh, you sent me an email <laughs> with. Um, I guess the UCP's response to these signs because I've had you know a lot of. Uh, you know, some conservatives are saying, oh, I hate these signs. We got to get our own up, slim and notly. And I was thinking, I don't know. Do you do it? I mean, you got to fight fire with fire. But at the same time, does it maybe turn people off? And people say, oh, look at all these assholes. And, you know, maybe maybe you look a little more uh, statesmanlike if you're not kind of getting down in the muck here. I think they came up with, uh, you know, so let's, yeah, well, let's, let's show again here uh, the UCP response to it. Uh, the UCP has been attaching... Um, their own little signs 
to the NDP signs. Uh, effective? Yep. I, I think that just a little touch of humor there is clearly an official sign. I mean, the, 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 uh, yeah. the color... so, so what will she do next? And then the UCP the attach it to their sign and say, cut taxes. That's actually, and I bet they've got a number of others. There are things that they're that they're going to do. And every one of those attack ads then gets morphed into some kind of a of a UCP sign by that. And the NDP are going to be sending people around, take these things off and put up a new one. That makes more work. And so I, I, I think there's a... But somebody obviously had their tongue in their cheek. And this is one of the things I've noticed with the UCP, especially with their with, with the stuff that they put out from the Black Ops room. They actually have a sense of humor. People like that. People will pass around their little video clips and they will pass around. I mean, this I thought that the person who sent this uh, this picture that we're looking at now to me was, mm -hmm. had taken it himself. Well, it turns out the thing's gone viral on the internet, you know. So yeah. it's just, uh, it, they're quite clever like that. And uh, I, have to, I have to admire that. People don't want to be yelled at and screamed at. It was definitely a... Sometimes. It, yeah, it was definitely a better response. I mean, not it's not as epic. Uh, you know what? We'll actually end the show with this. Um, but it reminded me as a much more localized provincial version of the 1988 um, uh, presidential debate, uh, Reagan and Mondale, where they're going at him for his age. And, and Reagan made it a joke. Yeah. And that's just so much more effective sometimes than... You know they're coming at you. You're na they're nailing you, and you just you growl and drool back at them. And I mean, it just leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Mm -hmm. If you could just make it a make it a joke, you laugh it off. You know. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, if the knock on Daniel Smith is her character, well, you diffuse that with humor. Yeah, that's that is so obvious. And All right. Doing it. Well, we're gonna leave you with uh, with that video. And uh, thank you much for thank you very much for joining us today. If you're not yet a member of the Western Standard, go to westernstandard.news right now and click on membership to get uh, all uh, full access to all Western Standard content. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, actually, at uh, 5.40. 5.40 for our live coverage of the Alberta leadership debate. Thank you very much, and God bless. Here's an update on commodity prices in Lethbridge for today. Cash barley is steady at 4.07. Feed wheat remains at 408, and corn is down two dollars at 388 per metric ton. In the milling wheat markets, July Minneapolis futures are lower 10 and three quarter cents at 868 per bushel, with local hard red spring bid for May movement at 1030 per bushel. Looking at canola, nearby futures slipped 1020 at 719 per ton, with delivered buys for May movement at 1608 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentil prices are trading at 34 cents per pound and yellow peas are lower 25 cents at 11.25 per bushel. And in the cattle markets, June live cattle are up 85 cents at 164.73 per hundred weight. For more information on pricing or picked up options, give me a call at 403-394-1711. I'm Matt Musicum at Marketplace Commodities, accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, Long ago, these guys are on the front lines uh, helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month. 
or $99 a year for unlimited access.